The First Man-Carrying Aeroplane Capable of Sustained Free Flight by Albert Francis Zam. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The First Man-Carrying Aeroplane Capable of Sustained Free Flight Langley's Success as a Pioneer in Aviation by Albert Francis Zam. It is doubtful whether any person of the present generation will be able to appraise correctly the contributions thus far made to the development of the practical flying machine. The aeroplane as it stands today is the creation not of any one man, but rather of three generations of men. It was the invention of the nineteenth century, it will be the fruition, if not the perfection, of the twentieth century. During the long decades succeeding the time of Sir George Cayley, builder of aerial gliders and sagacious exponent of the laws of flight, continuous progress has been made in every department of theoretical and practical aviation, progress in accumulating the data of aeromechanics, in discovering the principles of this science, in improving the instruments of aerotechnic research, in devising the organs and perfecting the structural details of the present-day flying machine. From time to time numerous aerial craftsmen have flourished in the world's eye, only to pass presently into comparative obscurity, while others, too neglected or too poorly appreciated in their own day, subsequently have risen to high estimation and permanent honour in the minds of men. Something of this latter fortune was fated to the late secretary of the Smithsonian Institution. For a decade and a half, Dr. Langley had toiled unremittingly to build up the basic science of mechanical flight, and finally to apply it to practical use. He had made numerous model aeroplanes propelled by various agencies, by India rubber, by steam, by gasoline, all operative and inherently stable. Then, with great confidence, he had constructed for the war department a man-flyer which was the duplicate, on a fourfold scale, of his successful gasoline model. But on that luckless day in December 1903, when he expected to inaugurate the era of substantial aviation, an untoward accident to his launching gear badly crippled his carefully and adequately designed machine. The aeroplane was repaired, but not again tested until the spring of 1914, seven years after Langley's death. Such an accident, occurring now, would be regarded as a passing mishap, but at that time it seemed to most people to demonstrate the futility of all aviation experiments. The press overwhelmed the inventor with ridicule, the great scientist himself referred to the accident as having frustrated the best work of his life. Although he felt confident of the final success of his experiments, further financial support was not granted, and he was forced to suspend operations. Scarcely could he anticipate that a decade later, in a faraway little hamlet, workmen who had never known him would with keenest enthusiasm rehabilitate that same tandem monoplane and launch it again and again in successful flight and that afterwards, in the national capital, it should be assigned the place of honour among the pioneer vehicles of the air. 
when in march nineteen fourteen mr glenn h curtis was invited to send a flying boat to washington to participate in celebrating langley day footnote may six the anniversary of the famous flight of langley's steam model aeroplane in eighteen ninety six is known in washington as langley day and has been celebrated with aerial maneuvers over land and water End footnote. he replied i would like to put the langley aeroplane itself in the air learning of this remark secretary walcott of the smithsonian institution soon authorized mr curtis to re-canvas the original langley aeroplane and launch it either under its own propulsive power or with a more recent engine and propeller early in april therefore the machine was taken from the langley laboratory and shipped in a box-car to the curtis aviation field beside lake cuca hammondsport new york in the following month it was ready for its first trial since the unfortunate accident of nineteen o three the main objects of these renewed trials were first to show whether the original langley machine was capable of sustained free flight with a pilot and secondly to determine more fully the advantages of the tandem type of aeroplane the work seemed a proper part of the general programme of experiments planned for the recently reopened langley aerodynamical laboratory it was indeed for just such an experimentation that the aeroplane had been given to the smithsonian institution by the war department at whose expense it had been developed and brought to completion prior to nineteen o three after some successful flights at hammondsport the famous craft could at the discretion of the smithsonian institution either be preserved for exhibition or used for further scientific study to achieve the two main objects above mentioned the aeroplane would first be flown as nearly as possible in its original condition then with such modifications as might seem desirable for technical or other reasons various ways of launching were considered in nineteen o three the langley aeroplane was launched from the top of a houseboat a car supporting it and drawn by lengthy spiral springs ran swiftly along a track then suddenly dropped away leaving the craft afloat in mid-air with its propellers whirring and its pilot supplementing with manual control if need be the automatic stability of the machine this method of launching as shown by subsequent experimentalists is a practical one and was favorably entertained by mr curtis he also thought of starting from the ground with wheels from the ice with skates from the water with floats having at hand neither a first-rate smooth field nor a sheet of ice he chose to start from the water in the accompanying illustrations plates one and two show the appearance of the langley flying machine after mr curtis had provided it with hydro aeroplane floats and their connecting truss work the steel mainframe the wings the rudders the engine and propellers all were substantially as they had been in nineteen o three the pilot had the same seat under the mainframe and the same general system of control as in nineteen o three he could raise or lower the craft by moving the big rear rudder up and down he could steer right and left by turning the vertical rudder he had no ailerons nor wing warping mechanism 
but for lateral balance depended upon the dihedral angle of the wings and upon suitable movements of his weight or of the vertical rudder and here it may be noted that langley had placed the vertical steering rudder under and to the rear of the centre of gravity so placed it served as a fairly good aileron by exerting a turning movement about the longitudinal axis of the machine after the adjustments for actual flight had been made in the curtis factory according to the minute descriptions contained in the langley memoir on mechanical flight the aeroplane was taken to the shore of lake cuca beside the curtis hangars and assembled for launching on a clear morning may twenty eighth and in a mild breeze the craft was lifted on to the water by a dozen men and set going with mr curtis at the steering wheel ensconced in the little boat-shaped car under the forward part of the frame many eager witnesses and cameramen were at hand on shore and in boats the four-winged craft pointed somewhat across the wind went skimming over the wavelets then automatically headed into the wind rose in level poise soared gracefully for one hundred fifty feet and landed softly on the water near the shore mr curtis asserted that he could have flown farther but being unused to the machine imagined the left wings had more resistance than the right the truth is that the aeroplane was perfectly balanced in wing resistance but turned on the water like a weather vane owing to the lateral pressure on its big rear rudder hence in future experiments this rudder was made turnable about a vertical axis as well as about a horizontal axis used by langley henceforth the little vertical rudder under the frame was kept fixed and inactive after a few more flights with the langley aeroplane kept as nearly as possible in its original condition its engine and twin propellers were replaced by a Curtis 80 horse motor and direct connected tractor propeller mounted on the steel frame, well forward, as shown in the photographs. It was hoped in this way to spare the original engine and propeller bearings, which were none too strong for the unusual burden added by the floats. In 1903, the total weight of pilot and machine had been 830 pounds with the floats lately added it was one thousand one hundred seventy pounds with the curtis motor and all ready for flight it was one thousand five hundred twenty pounds but notwithstanding these surplus additions of forty per cent and eighty per cent above the original weight of the craft the delicate wing spars and ribs were not broken nor was any part of the machine excessively overstrained owing to the pressure of other work at the factory the aeroplane equipped with the Curtis motor was not ready for further flights till September. In the absence of Mr. Curtis, who had gone to California in August, a pupil of his aviation school, Mr. Elwood Doherty, volunteered to act as a pilot. During some trials for adjusting the aeroplane controls and the center of gravity, Mr. Doherty, on the afternoon of September 17, planed easily over the water rose on level wing and flew about four hundred fifty feet at an elevation of two or three yards as shown by the accompanying photographs of that date presently two other like flights were made mr doherty found that with the four wings at ten degrees incident the rear ones at twelve degrees and the pilot's seat on the main frame about midway between the wings the flyer responded nicely to the movements of the pilot wheel 
a slight turn of the wheel steered the craft easily to left or right a slight pull or push raised or lowered it the big double tail or rudder which responded to these movements was the only steering or control surface used the breaking of the eight-foot tractor screw terminated these trials for the day the waves indicate the strength of the wind during the flights on september nineteen using a nine-foot screw mr doherty began to make longer flights a pleasant offshore breeze rippled the water but without raising whitecaps a dozen workmen lifting the great tandem monoplane from the shore with the pilot in his seat waded into the lake and set it gently on the water a crowd of witnesses near at hand and many scattered about the shores and on the lofty vine-clad hills stood watching expectantly when some of the official observers and photographers in a motor-boat were well out in the lake a man in high-top boots standing in the water started the propeller and stepped quickly out of the way then with its great yellow wings beautifully arched and distended the imposing craft ran swiftly out from the shore gleaming brilliantly in the afternoon sun at first the floats and lower edges of the rudders broke the water to a white surge then as the speed increased they rose more and more from the surface presently the rear floats and the rudders cleared the water the front floats still skipping on their heels white with foam the whole craft was now in soaring poise it quickly approached the photographers bearing on its back the alert pilot who seemed to be scrutinizing every part of it and well satisfied to let it race then it rose majestically and sailed on even wing one thousand feet sank softly skimmed the water and soared another thousand feet grazed the water again rose and sailed three thousand feet turned on the water and came back in the same manner and as it passed the photographers soared again nearly half a mile the flights were repeated a few minutes later then owing to squally weather were discontinued for eleven days on october first nineteen fourteen the aeroplane was launched at eleven a m in an offshore breeze strong enough to raise whitecaps hovering within thirty feet of the water and without material loss of speed it made in quick succession flights of the following duration as observed by four of us in a motor-boat and timed by myself twenty seconds twenty seconds sixty-five seconds twenty seconds forty seconds forty-five seconds as the speed through air averaged about fifty feet per second the through air lengths of these flights were respectively one thousand feet one thousand feet three thousand two hundred fifty feet one thousand feet two thousand feet two thousand two hundred fifty feet as the aeroplane was now well out from shore among the heavy billows and white caps mr doherty landed it upon the water and turned it half about for the homeward flight thereupon the propeller tips struck the waves and were broken off one casting a splinter through the centre of the left wing the pilot stopped the engine rested in his seat and was towed home by our motor-boat the flights were witnessed and have been attested by many competent observers as to the performance of the aeroplane during these trials the pilot mr e doherty reports and we observed that the inherent lateral stability was excellent 
the fore and aft control was satisfactory and the movement of the craft both on the water and in the air was steady and suitable for practical flying in such weather apparently the machine could have flown much higher and thus avoided touching the water during the lulls in the breeze but higher flying did not seem advisable with the frail trussing of wings designed to carry eight hundred thirty pounds instead of the one thousand five hundred twenty pounds actual weight at the present writing the langley aeroplane is in perfect condition and ready for any further tests that may be deemed useful but it has already fulfilled the purpose for which it was designed it has demonstrated that with its original structure and power it is capable of flying with a pilot and several hundred pounds of useful load it is the first aeroplane in the history of the world of which this can be truthfully said if the experiments be continued under more painstaking technical direction longer flights can easily be accomplished mr manley who designed the langley engine and screws and who directed the construction and tests of the large aeroplane up to december eighth nineteen o three reports that he obtained from the propulsion plant a static thrust of four hundred fifty pounds and that he once ran the engine under full load for ten hours consecutively this thrust is nearly one hundred pounds more than that commonly obtained at hammondsport with the same plant and twenty pounds more than the static thrust obtained with the curtis motor on the day when it flew the aeroplane with one thousand five hundred twenty pounds aggregate weight hence by restoring the engine and propellers to their original normal working condition they should be able to drive the aeroplane in successful flight with an aggregate weight of nearly one thousand six hundred pounds even when hampered with the floats and their sustaining truss-work with a thrust of four hundred fifty pounds the langley aeroplane without floats restored to its original condition and provided with stronger bearings should be able to carry a man and sufficient supplies for a voyage lasting practically the whole day dr langley's aerotechnic work may be briefly summarized as follows one his aerodynamic experiments some published and some as yet unpublished were complete enough to form a basis for practical pioneer aviation two he built and launched in eighteen ninety six the first steam model aeroplane capable of prolonged free flight and possessing good inherent stability three he built the first internal combustion motor suitable for a practical man-carrying aeroplane four he developed and successfully launched the first gasoline model aeroplane capable of sustained free flight five he developed and built the first man-carrying aeroplane capable of sustained free flight end of the first man-carrying aeroplane capable of sustained free flight langley's success as a pioneer in aviation by albert francis zahn read by avai in december 2013